All God's people said, Amen. Let's stand and sing hymn number 48. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning and welcome you in the name of the Lord. And uh, it's great to be together in God's house with God's people as we fellowship and worship together. And we welcome our guests, especially today. Uh, you are very important to us and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. And just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Let me re remind everyone, first of all, of our attendance sheets on each row like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And also, if you would like to receive our email newsletter, be sure to put your email address on there, and we'll be glad to put you on the list so that you can receive that each week. And that way you can keep up with the uh, opportunities for worship and education and service uh, through Community Baptist Church. Um, today is Sunday, and uh, today is fun day, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday is fun day for our children here at Community Baptist Church, and so uh, our children will be uh, staying after the worship service today uh, for, for lunch and some fun times and, uh, and some study times, some great times, just having a fun day today. And so we encourage all of our children up through the fifth grade to uh, hang around after church until about 2 o'clock, and, uh, and they'll have a great time together. 
Uh, also, you'll notice in your worship folder that uh, we're scheduled for a blood drive coming up in fe- at February 16th, and I think Jika wants to have a word about that. So, Jika? We are all aware of the uh, heavy-duty weather we had the month of January, which was national. And due to that, over a 1,000 drives, blood drives, had to be canceled because of the severe uh, weather conditions and road conditions. And that's a lot of blood that was not uh, taken. So we are asking in a desperate kind of way if you would... uh, please be willing to donate. If you are 17, at least, and at least 110 pounds, which covers most of us, <laughs> you are eligible to donate um, under most circumstances. Um, so it will be a week from Wednesday, anytime between 2 and 6, walk-ins, or if you would like to see me and make an appointment, uh, that's fine too. But uh, please put this uh, on, on your to-do list at all costs because you can be a hero and save a life. Thank you. Thank you. Our uh, youth will be having a uh, Super Bowl party at uh, Tim and Cindy Hall's uh, house this afternoon. And so we encourage our youth to, to be a part of that, uh, having pizza and, and fun times. And uh, also let me remind everyone that next Sunday... Um, February the 13th, we will be having our Valentine's dinner and auction. And uh, so please come to that. Uh, and if you could give the, the church a call so we can uh, make your reservation so we'll know how much food to uh, prepare. I think the uh, menu is either chicken or pork chops. And uh, so please let us know what you would prefer when you make your call to make your reservations. Uh, that way we can know how much to pre- prepare. We're glad you're here today, and, uh, and it's great to be with God's people. And let me encourage everyone to let's just take a moment to uh, stand and shake each other's hand and greet each other in, in God's love. Thank you. 
fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Children, come on down to Miss Mary right over here. I'm over here. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You guys, come over here so I can see your faces. At least sit in these chairs over here. Would you do that for me? That'd be great. Thanks. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Now, if I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read something to you, and you're gonna, you're gonna, um, if I said this to you, would you know what I was saying? This is by, I didn't write this. You all will know that when I read it. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach where feelings out of sight for the ends of being an ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love thee with the passion to see in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love I seem to lose with, with lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life. And if God choose, I shall but love thee better than death. Huh? What? Well, I don't know about y'all. You know, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, she's a pretty famous poet. But what? Do you know what she just said? I got the part, I love thee. Did you get that part? I love thee. But how, how much does she love this? What? Why don't, why, you know, it's just a little easier to say, I love you because I love you, just I love you. Not because of anything. But I love you because you are so handsome. I love you guys because you are just beautiful. I just, you know, let's just, let's just say it the way it is. Let's just say what we mean. As sometimes as Christians, when we experience something that God has given us, we have this tendency to want to fluff it up a little bit. You know, when we use the these and the thous and all of that stuff from the, from the, um, uh, King James Bible, and we just tend to want to fluff it up a little bit when all we need to do is just 
let's just cut the complication and tell us, tell us what we need to know. God loves you. That's what we need to know, isn't it? Jesus died on the cross for you. That's what we need to know, isn't it? Let's not just fluff it up. We don't need to fluff it up. Died for us. God, Jesus loved us enough to die on the cross for us. That, that's pretty simple. We don't need to fluff it up with a bunch of extra words. But as Christians, it is our responsibility then to tell other people what God has done for us. Just in plain old language, just in my own words, I don't need to read Elizabeth Barrett Browning to tell other people that I might love somebody. I can just tell them in my own words. And so when we tell folks what God has done for us, we can just tell them in our own words. We don't need the words of somebody else. Because, you know, we all know that God has done different stuff for us. What's something that God has done for you? Yes, Jerry. Thank you. Keep us safe so we don't get hurt. What else? Did he give you? Yes, sir. He died for us. That's pretty simple. Did he give you moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and friends to love? Yes. And to love you and take care of you? Yes. That's pretty simple. That is pretty simple. He let your baby brother be born. That was a great thing that God did for all of us, is to give us baby brothers. I'll leave it at that. Do what? Yes, that, that God keeps giving us babies to love on. So when... Next time when you need to tell somebody what God has done for you, no need to flower it up. Just use your own words and tell them, this is what God has done for me. Um, you know, the other day, God gave me sunshine. In the midst of all that gloomy and all the snow, God gave me sunshine. I really needed sunshine on my face. That's what God did for me. See, that was pretty simple, wasn't it? Okay. Here's what we're going to do. I have treats um, that have messages on them. You know, Valentine's Day is the, is the greatest time to do that. They've got messages on the candy um, that tell you exactly, let's chat. Be my Valentine. Um, to tell you exactly in plain English. Um, and if you will meet me right over there after church, I'll give them to you. Okay? Is that a deal? I'm going to be standing right over there at the door after church. And if you meet me over there after church, I'll give you a bag. Is that a deal? Be because I'm going to meet you after church. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, if you were fourth and fifth graders or older, you will stay out here. 
If you are second grade or under, you can stay. You can go with Miss Mary for Children's Church. You can go with Miss Mary. Dad's not here today. He called me last night, <laughs> asked me if I would uh, be his replacement. So I'm going to do the scripture today for you guys. It's First uh, Corinthians chapter two, verses uh, one through five. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And with my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we reflect on this scripture today, let us realize that there is only one way to achieve salvation, that this is faith in Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for us, that wisdom without faith is not enough, that success in the end depends on simple faith, that faith is power, and faith is the key to eternal life. Help us realize that there is no substitute in the world for the belief that Jesus gave his life on the cross for us, and that this is the most fantastic gift ever given. Amen. Offertory hymn is page 589. Ye servants of God, let us stand and sing. Master proclaim and love. 
with me. Yes, Heavenly Father, we are your servants, and we come to you with hearts of thanksgiving, acknowledging every good gift comes from you, and everything we have is yours. You give generously, help us to be like you. We thank you for this place we have to worship you. We so easily take for granted the church building, the staff that keeps the church running smoothly, the lights, the plumbing, and all other things that it takes to hold our worship services here each week. Help us to realize that while it may not be what we considered to be an inciting cause, it is one that is important to your cause. May our gifts assist the preaching of your gospel so that all people may be remade in your likeness and proclaiming your word will be possible. We ask your blessings upon this offering and those who give them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you so much for that beautiful offertory. A woman um, tells about her five-year-old son playing in his first neighborhood t-ball game. A little guy whose name was Frankie stepped up to the plate while his dad shouted instructions from the sidelines. And both mom and dad cheered wildly when Frankly whacked, Frankie whacked, whacked the ball out into right field. And so charged with excitement, this youngster scampered around first base and rounded second, and then confused by so much shouting, he hesitated on third base, not knowing exactly what he should do next. And so his dad screamed, run home, Frankie, run home. And with that, Frankie turned, scooted across left field, squeezed through the fence and disappeared. (laughs) They found him later watching TV in the family living room. He did just as his father told him to do. His father yelled, run home. And that's exactly what he did. I guess his dad needed to be a little more specific as to what he intended. Now, most of you are probably familiar with that little acronym, K-I-S-S. It stands for Keep It Simple, Stupid. In fact, I suspect that there are two inscriptions that ought to be on every pulpit. The first one can be found in John 12, verse 20, which says, we would see Jesus. And the second inscription that should be on every pulpit is K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. Writer and Presbyterian pastor Bruce Larson gives a an interesting perspective on the development of two denominational groups here in the United States. And in doing so, he's, he's giving a little jab to his own denomination. He says that in the early years of our country's history, there were two different approaches to evangelism by two of our great denominations. The Methodist Church felt that the, the West was expanding so rapidly that there was not enough time to to thoroughly equip and train their preachers and their lay evangelists. And so basically they sent out anyone who had the call. And the West was evangelized by Methodist circuit riders. The Presbyterians, on the other hand, felt that the gospel was so important that it could only be entrusted to seminary graduates with background in Hebrew and Greek and And so they took their time in sending out pastors who were better educated. And that's why, says Larson, there are more Methodists in America than there are Presbyterians. There's something that's even more revealing. A study not too long ago showed that of the 100 largest churches in America, the overwhelming percentage of them are served by pastors who are not seminary graduates. Now think about the implications of that for a moment. Is it possible that going to seminary makes a pastor less effective? Well, I hope not. And it may have something to do with what you're effective at. However, this may say something to us about what happens in the pulpit. And it may be a reminder to those of us who preach to keep our preaching accessible to everyone. 
In other words, keep it simple. But if you think that the KISS approach to preaching is a little too unsophisticated for such a learned congregation as ours, let me hasten to say that the idea of keeping it simple is not my own. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says as he describes his own efforts at communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. He writes to the Corinthians and says, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the mystery of God. For I decided to know nothing among you while, while I was among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Now, Paul is not saying that he dumbed down the gospel here. In fact, anyone who has spent much time deciphering Paul's theology knows that his theology can be quite challenging at times. But what he is saying is that he tried to communicate the gospel as simply and as directly as he possibly could. In other words, he was trying to impress, he was not trying to impress people with his, his biblical knowledge or his, his deep theological insight. Instead, what he was trying to impress people with was God's love and God's power. And from what, from what he says here, I think that he would also probably encourage those two inscriptions on every pulpit. We would see Jesus and keep it simple, stupid. I am resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and in fear with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the power of God's spirit. So here's the thing, folks. If you've experienced the power of God in your life, then you don't need to hide behind pretty language or deep thought. Author King Duncan tells about hearing a well-known pastor in his area preach on one of Jesus' healing miracles. And he says this pastor was a liberal pastor who had many reservations about the teachings of Scripture. In fact, I'm not really sure that he believed that Jesus ever healed anyone or not. He continues by saying, now I'm a person of at least average intelligence, but when this pastor finally finished his sermon, I really didn't have any idea what he said. Oh, he was eloquent. His thinking was truly deep, but I simply didn't get his point. Well, folks, Paul had no reason to hide behind lofty language. For you see, he had experienced the power of Christ in his life. And all he had to do was to testify to the experience that he had. It was kind of like a humble young couple who had recently committed their lives to Jesus. And they were good people, but 
there, were, there was one weakness. You see, they were illiterate. They could not read. But they didn't let that keep them from being involved in the ministries of their church. In fact, they, they met on a regular basis with a group of Christians, all of whom dressed alike while engaged in a certain ministry project. All of the men wore red shirts while working on this project. So the wife made a red shirt for her husband. But when he came home after that, that first meeting, he had a look of disappointment on his face because all the other men had a message printed on their shirts. But he didn't. Of course, he had no idea what the message said. He couldn't read. But it bothered him that his shirt had no message on it. So his wife, undaunted by her inability to read, decided to sew a message on her husband's shirt. And she she chose three words that she copied from a sign that she had seen in the store window right across the street from their apartment. Neither she nor her husband had any idea what those words meant, But he wore his new shirt with his new inscription to the next meeting. And afterwards, he came home just bubbling with joy. He said all of the other men really liked the inscription on his shirt because it was so appropriately described the wonderful change that they had seen in his life. It turns out that his wife had had sown these words that she had seen in that store window across from their apartment onto her husband's shirt. It said, under new management. (laughs) Well, I guess that just about said it all, didn't it? For you see, since they had given their lives over to Jesus Christ, and since they had experienced the love and the power of Jesus in their lives, their lives were now under new management. So, my friends, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to testify to the power of God in your life. If Jesus has touched you or healed you or given you a reason to go on, if you are under new management, then tell that story to others. You don't have to be well-versed in theological or doctrinal tenets. You don't have to follow a pattern that someone else taught you and that you had to memorize. Just tell your story. What has God done for you? Tell it plainly and tell it simply so that anyone can understand it. About a decade ago, a young man in New York City went to the top of a tall building and threatened to jump off. Seems that he had had a, a problem with his girlfriend and he thought that his life was not worth living. But, but there's something different about this young, young man because, you see, he was also deaf. Police officer on the scene tried to use a bullhorn to, to send a loud message to him, but he couldn't hear it. But fortunately, one of the police officers was a, a volunteer sign language teacher in a school for the deaf. And And so he went up to the top of that building and and by using sign language, he was able to talk this boy out of jumping. He was able to reach him when all of the other officers failed to do so. He knew how to speak his language. And that's what Paul meant when he said, to the weak I became weak, that I 
might win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may by all means save some of them. He wasn't talking about compromising his beliefs. He had simply learned how to communicate the saving power of Jesus Christ to others by speaking on their wavelength. Now, we all know that communication is difficult, isn't it? It's hard. Not only communication from the pulpit, but communication in a marriage, for example. Communication in the workplace. Communication between individuals and between cultures. Liz Curtis Higgs tells about a woman named Eileen who was visiting a school and an orphanage in Kenya. And as she was there, walking through the halls and walking in the midst of all of these children, dozens of young children who spoke only Swahili pressed around her, trying to see if the, if the white would rub off of her skin. But what, what took her back was they were all yelling, Jumbo and Super, Jumbo, Super. And so Eileen grumbled to her interpreter, I know that I need to lose a little weight, but, but I didn't think I was that fat that they would all call me Jumbo and Super. Well, the interpreter burst out laughing and, and then explained that in Swahili, Jumbo means hello, and Super means hello very much. <laughs> so you see, communication, it, it, it's, it's a difficult art, even under the best of circumstances. And you probably know this in your own lives. How many times have, have you had an experience where feathers were ruffled and ire was raised and anger ensued all because there was a miscommunication between the parties involved? Either you said something that you didn't mean to say or maybe someone misheard or misinterpreted the words that you said or vice versa. And before you know it, feelings are hurt and anger abounds. And, and because all of this is all because of a simple lack of communication. So you see, communication's hard. It's hard. During court one day, the a judge quietly passed the clerk a note that said, blind on right side, maybe falling. Please call someone. Well, the clerk was understandably alarmed, and so he called for help. And, and while waiting for the help to arrive, he whispered to the judge that the, the paramedics were on their way. But the judge pointed to a sagging Venetian blind on the right side of the courtroom and explained that he was thinking maybe somebody from maintenance will do. Communication's hard. It takes work. But effective communication is critical. How many marriages have failed because couples lose the ability to communicate? How many families are in distress because parents and children fail to communicate? How many hurting people could be helped if someone would simply take the time 
to communicate with them. Dr. Paul Stevens tells about a man named Paul owned a little deli next door to his office. And he says that Paul served the best hot pastrami sandwich that he had ever eaten. And so Stevens would go into the deli from time to time and they would chat about their kids and they were friendly, but they never really talked about deep matters. They would run into each other on occasion and they would smile. They would talk, say they ought to get together sometime and get to know each other better. But the last time Dr. Stevens saw Paul, Paul told him that life was hard. His deli was losing money. He was having troubles at home. He said, Dr. Steve, I ought to make an appointment to talk with you about some things that are really bothering me. And so Dr. Stevens told him that, that he could call him anytime, but he never called. And then two, late, two days later, Stevens dropped into the deli, but Paul wasn't there. In fact, the, the deli was unusually quiet and somber and And so Stevens asked, where's Paul? And the young lady behind the counter said, you haven't heard? Paul shot himself last night. He's dead. Stevens couldn't believe it. Why would he kill himself? Why didn't he talk to somebody? And then Stevens thought the really hard question. Why hadn't I? asked more questions when he mentioned his hardship. Communication is difficult, but it's also critical in living together in in families and in, in communities and in friendships. And here's the final thing to be said this morning. Communicating the gospel is a critical responsibility for all Christians. What was it that Christ said as his last instruction to his his disciples? As you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. One of our primary responsibilities as followers of Jesus Christ is to communicate the good news that we have found for ourselves. We need to teach others how to be followers of Jesus Christ. And there are many ways of communicating that. We can preach it and teach it. We don't have to use lofty language and lofty ideas to do it. We can simply tell our own story of how Jesus has made a difference in my life. But one of the best ways to communicate the gospel with others requires very few words at all. And that's listening. Listening is probably the most powerful form of communication that you and I can engage in. Listening to your spouse. Listening to your kids. Listening to the concerns of your friends and neighbors the way Dr. Stevens wished that he had listened to Paul. We communicate by listening and then by responding to what we hear with compassion and with love. We communicate by the way we live. 
As the old ditty goes, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And as another one says, your actions are speaking so loudly that I can't hear your words. So speak your words. But make sure that your words and your deeds are compatible. And the important thing that you need to realize is that you don't have to be a scholar to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a person of great eloquence and education and intelligence if you have experienced the power of Jesus Christ in your life. Then tell it. If you've experienced Christ's love in your heart, then live it. And always remember K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, saints. <laughs> Anybody can do it. Amen. Let's sing together number 261, Wonderful Words of Life. And this is our hymn of invitation. And we invite you to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. We proclaim to you in simple words that God loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. And that's about all you need to know. And you can respond to that by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. Accepting the forgiveness of our sins that Jesus is offering to you. Making a commitment in your life to follow the ways of Christ, the things that he has commanded of us. If there's someone here today who's never made that commitment, the invitation is for you to make that commitment today. To say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Or perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church today. As we sing our song. Or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We will pray with you and for you. If God is dealing in your heart in any way. We invite you to come as we sing together. Wonderful words of life. Would you come?
May we go from this place of worship where we have gathered together, strengthened by the Spirit in our inner being so that we, at all times and in all things, wherever we are, may be enabled to do God's work and to speak God's word in the power and in the love of the living Christ. Amen. Thank you.